how's it going? Welcome to Screen the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I do sincerely appreciate each and every one of you for coming by and giving it a listen. If you have not done so already, please, please go ahead and do one of the following plugs that I am about to mention. You can go ahead and follow and or download episodes of ScreenSpeak on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, follow or download. You can also go ahead and follow the social media for the podcast, which is on Instagram. It's just simply titled at ScreenSpeak Podcast. If you go ahead and search that in Instagram, presumably, you would, go, you would see that the podcast is there and that there is some nice uh, behind the scenes or, you know, just movie related content that gets posted on there just whenever I have some time. So uh, please go ahead and do one or all of those things as all of it does go to help the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for, the growth of the podcast as a whole. So please go ahead and do one or all of those things. It would be much appreciated and you'll be in my good graces if that counts for uh it counts for anything (laughs) okay so uh continuing the month of october um i've been talking about some some different horror movies here and there um i'm actually just looking at the last couple episodes not that my memory is that short term but i sometimes need to remind myself um so far uh during the month of october i've covered swiss army man signs uh most recently the ghost and mr chicken uh don knott's classic And now I'm going to be covering what is arguably, I think, the scariest movie that I have covered uh, so far this month anyway. Uh, So far, knock on, or you hear that? That's supposed to be me knocking on wood. I don't know if that applies to what I'm talking about, but whatever, we're going to keep going. It is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. That is what I'm going to be talking about today. So, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, this is a movie that came out in 2005, um, it's written and directed by Scott Derrickson, who I, I would say this is one of his earlier films before he really took off in popularity with uh, Sinister, i say would uh, was probably one of his earlier hits. Uh, eventually, of course, he did Doctor Strange, and then actually he's, uh, he's actually reuniting here uh, soon uh, with Ethan Hawke for, I, I think the movie's called The Black Phone. I don't know if I'm... I don't know if I'm saying that right. I just watched the trailer for it, actually, a little bit before hitting record on this. Um, Interesting trailer. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into that, but it's nice to see Ethan Hawke uh, reuniting with that director because I think they made a good team in Sinister and, you know, whatever. But, anywho, uh, this movie was one of Scott Derrickson's earlier films, and and it's a good one. It is a good one and an unexpected one, I guess, uh, for a couple of different reasons. And, and I'll elaborate what I mean by unexplained here in a moment. Um, so the movie itself, let's go over the cast. Uh, it stars Laura Linney, Tom Wilkinson, Campbell Scott, Colm Fiore, uh, and Jennifer Carpenter as the title character, Emily Rose. Um, let me go ahead and just re, uh, just rattle off the synopsis here, and then I'll get into all the all the, the all the not not even fun. I don't even know if this is going to be a fun episode. This it's probably going to freak me out honestly talking about some of this stuff because this is a disturbing movie <laughs> uh, for a lot of different reasons. But anywho, let's let's not let's not lose focus. Let's keep going. So here's the story. Uh, Reverend Moore, I can't think of what his first name is, but there is a reverend, and 
You know what? Okay. I actually thought I had this correct on here. And you're probably like, well, what are you talking about? You thought this, you had this correct. I don't even, I can't read your mind, Jordan. What are you talking about? Well, I'm trying to figure out right now on the spot, what what is the difference between a reverend and priest? Or is there a, def, a difference? Are they one and the same? I don't know. Here, here I, I guess I'm not the first person to search for this. Okay. So according to Google, a reverend, uh, the main differences between pastor and reverend. Okay, let's see. Um, pastor means a clergyman serving a local church or parish, whereas a reverend is an honorary style that's placed before the name of the Christian clergy. And apparently a pastor refers to a parish priest. Reverend refers to uh, a title being provided to a parish priest. Okay, wow. Um, I could probably spend some time dissecting that, but I'm not going to because that's not what we're doing here. So let's just go. Uh, Reverend Moore, uh, who is played by Tom Wilkinson, he is prosecuted for the wrongful death of a girl that is thought to be demonically possessed uh, because he administered the church-sanctioned exorcism that ultimately killed her. Prosecuting attorney Ethan Thomas, played by Campbell Scott, contends that the young woman, Emily played by Jennifer Carpenter, suffered from schizophrenia and should have been medically diagnosed. Meanwhile, defense lawyer Aaron Bruner, played by Laura Linney, argues that Emily's condition cannot be explained by science alone. That's great synopsis. Great synopsis, actually. That's actually, uh, yeah, well done. Um, but yeah, that is the story in a nutshell. And <clears throat> first thing I wanted to kind of give my thoughts on and, and provide some some background on is this this movie what the uh what why can't i think of the words for it what it's based on because this is one of those movies where it has in the tagline of the poster i think it even actually opens at the start of the movie that this is based on a true story <clears throat> uh one moment here this is so that i don't obnoxiously clear my throat into the microphone you know you have to take the sips of the water um to clear your throat so that you can have a nice crisp sounding voice for your listening audience why am i changing it right now i don't actually sound like this i sound like i'm trying to talk at like two in the morning or put you to sleep or hypnotize you or i, I don't know I'm, it's getting weird now <laughs> okay so this movie claims that it's based on a true story, and I did have some time to actually try to do a little bit of research into figuring out what the actual story is. Now, I'll tell you on this episode, I'm not going to do one of those, is the movie super faithful to the actual facts of the story? Um, that I could take up a whole episode talking about that, but, but rather, I do want to give some background to what the actual story is. Uh, the actual events that this movie is based around, because I do find a lot of it, a lot of it interesting, and and of course this all ties into the movie. So, <clears throat> well, I guess I just did a, a throat clear. What you know? What what are you gonna do? Um, okay, so this is based on a the true story of a woman named Annalise Mich Michelle, uh, Michelle or um, Michael. I don't think it's Michael. Annalise Michelle, uh, this is based on her story, <clears throat> and she's actually a, a German woman, uh, a young German woman uh, at the age of 16 when the events uh, in the real story uh, happened to her, and she lived in uh, Bavaria, West Germany. 
and the the time frame that her whole ordeal and everything took place at was i'll just say around the 1960s and <clears throat> her her symptoms that she began having uh, which I didn't get too far down into like when exactly they started happening. I just I just saw that they happened at around the age of 16. But she apparently started to shake uncontrollably, uh, lose bodily functions, and and then eventually actually claims that she started to uh, see demons. And the more I actually went into the symptoms, like that's just the surface level stuff. She did a lot more really disturbing things. Uh, some of it was depicted in the movie, but some of it was not. So one of them, one of the things that I read is that she apparently like compulsively did squats, uh, like a ton of them. I think like, like it was whatever I had read had said that she had done, I think like 400 a day, maybe more, um, <clears throat> which it's kind of a strange a uh, strange symptom to to attribute to possession and, and things like that. But hey, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess if you're possessed, you're kind of out of your mind. So I don't really know what you're, what you're doing in that type of a situation. But anywho, apparently she compulsively did squats. Um, she would act like an animal, uh, sometimes up to days at a time of doing that. I don't know if it's a specific animal, but I mean, if you can picture a human being down like on all fours growling and snarling and and acting like uh, a wild animal um I, I i guess that's what this woman did uh on the more disturbing side of things as if that wasn't enough um her family said that they witnessed her eating bugs like uh like beetles and cockroaches and spiders and all all sorts of very grotesque things that even thinking about it right now i'm just like oh like oh my gosh um, and by far the worst thing I read about that she was documented to have done, <clears throat> excuse me, and I do apologize for mentioning this one just because it, it's, it's pretty gross. Uh, apparently she would lick up her own urine. I, I, I don't, I didn't really want to look into more of the details beyond that, uh, because that's, that's pretty... I mean, that's intense. That's, that's intense and that's extreme. And that is a lot to unpack all those symptoms. But, but anyways, all these symptoms persisted over time. It's not like they all happened in the span of a day. So they all happened, uh, I would say gradually as her condition, or if you believe in the possession of the whole thing got worse, um, yeah, it, it, it got progressively worse with uh, with Annalise. And, and I, I mean, the worst part about this whole thing is, like, her seeing demons and feeling controlled by them, which, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack with that. Um, but anywho, according to my research, she had had all these symptoms, and her family, of course, was gravely concerned. Uh, but they themselves were devout Catholics, uh, along with Annalise, and they... And Annalise herself believed that she was under the possession of a demon or possibly demons, which that's another interesting thing to to think about is the fact that you that there are documented cases of more than one demon actually ultimately possessing a body. Um, very, very scary stuff. 
Um, but anywho, they were they were all devout Catholics, and so they ultimately believed uh, very strongly that she was possessed, uh, despite there being medical diagnoses that had occurred um, at the start of all this stuff, trying to cite like epilepsy, schizophrenia. Um, I think there was a couple of other different medical things that they tried to tie to it. Epilepsy? Did I say that? I, I, I think I said that. Um, <clears throat> but despite all the medical diagnoses and, and, and whatnot, the family was still very, um, very much uh, attached to the idea of this possession and whatnot. And feeling, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, feeling that deep, devout sense of, of you know, to their faith and whatnot, um, they actually sought the help, uh, the help uh, of a priest um, who is, in, in, in real life, I guess his name was Father uh, Arnold Renz. I think I'm saying that right. And in the movie, they, you know, changed his name along with a lot of the other people, no doubt, um, in this movie to Reverend Moore. Um, but anywho... They had this priest involved, and the priest had to go through a process with the archdiocese or the bishops or however the hierarchy of church works to get an approval for an exorcism. Um, this this priest, this father, I'll just call him a priest. This priest ended up uh, getting the sign off or the clear from the Catholic Church that he was working with to to do this exorcism, and and then they went and carried you know carried it out and whatnot. Uh, but then, tragically, uh, something went wrong uh, during the exorcism, and and Emily, or sorry, I, I'm con I'm confusing Emily with Annalise. I'm trying to talk about the real story. Um, Annalise did not survive the exorcism, and that is true uh, in the movie as well for for the character Emily, based off of Annalise. I think that makes sense. <clears throat> sorry, I was just adjusting the chair there. Got to got to be comfortable for this, and um. You know, I just realized it's probably not a good idea to be talking about this subject matter uh, with all the lights off. I'm sitting in my dark office space right now, but thankfully the lights of the computer are keeping me company so that I don't get uh, too freaked out from talking about this stuff. Because I admit this is, uh, this is not content that I really like to cover all that much. Um, honestly, even afraid to get too into it because it's like, it's just such a... It's a very disturbing thing, you know, the notion of demons and whatnot. But anywho, I, I don't want to get too too ahead, so I think I've said that a couple times. Stop stop saying that and just plow ahead. Let's just keep going. Okay. So a couple things. Um one when I was you know, one of the many things that I had kind of thought about when I was doing the research on this is because I'm not a I'm not like a religious expert. So there was a couple of words here and there that I just, I didn't really know what all of them meant. Uh, one of them being devout. Cause I had read that, you know, the family was devout and Annalise was devout. And of course I've heard the word devout and I get that it's tied to religion. And I figured that it just means that somebody's very serious about their faith. But I was curious about the word itself um, in the context of the story. And so I wanted to give a little bit of explanation on that. So devout, means when uh some if someone says they are devout it means they have a deep religious feeling or commitment to their faith that's like the the dictionary definition um but then if you look at it actually a little bit further apparently it originated in in 
it originated as a Latin word, and then eventually it somehow made its way over to Old French, and then eventually uh, found its way to being in English and, and used in that context, which I just find really interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm the only person that's alone on that. I hear all kinds of different words, as I'm sure we all do, and it's like, how often do you always have to, you know, stop and really pick apart a word and and find out what it, like where it actually came from and it's like true meaning uh i don't know maybe i'm alone on that because i just feel like i hear a lot of different words all the time and it's like if somebody were to ask me on the spot like do you actually know like really what that means or where it came from a lot of the time i would probably say no um so i don't know i wanted to come off as being uh intelligent for this episode and uh it's questionable <laughs> uh, it's questionable right now um Anywho, but I thought it was interesting for devout, so now you know. I shared what it means. Um, another thing that I was actually curious about, too, is when I was reading about the, you know, priests and the hierarchy of the church and, you know, getting permission for exorcisms and whatnot, um, I did see a lot of mentions of the priest being called father. And that's something where, again, I'm no stranger to hearing that word. Uh, I've heard it in a lot of movies, and, you know, my my fiancé's Catholic, and I've heard people get called father that are actual priests, but I just didn't know. I'm like, why why are they called father? No one's ever actually really explained that to me. Uh, So I did some research on that word as well uh, for this episode and saw that essentially it's uh, it's a dual meaning. Uh, One, uh, priests just get called father out of, like, a sign of respect because this is typically speaking, uh, a person that people look up to for a variety of different things. Uh, but mainly it's, they, they look up to them as a spiritual leader. So it's, it's a dual meaning in that it's a sign of respect. Uh, and it's also attributed to, um, someone being a spiritual leader, which, which priests most often are. So interesting uh, interesting, uh, vocabulary lesson there, I guess. I, I don't know if that's, you're probably not even like, like interested in that. You're like, I don't, I don't give a crap about you looking up some words in the dictionary. Let's just talk about the movie. Okay. Asking you shall receive, I guess. Um, so I would say largely when you're looking at the true story and the events, I think this movie does a fine job of translating a lot of the research that I did onto the screen and, and being, I would say, largely faithful to the to the actual events. Say for, of course, the location uh, of the movie, the some of the names, time frame. Um, it's set more in a modern setting. It's set in America. It's not set in Germany. It's not during the 1960s, as far as I can tell. It's probably during like the 90s or 2000s. I'm not sure if the movie actually specifies that, but that's aside the point. The movie does a relatively faithful job to the actual source material. Um, and and yeah, yeah, that's that's all I was trying to say with that. So another thing that is it's very this is where we're going to get into more of the the darker darker themes of this movie outside of talking about what I just did. But it's impossible to watch this movie in particular and not ask yourself the question of demons being real. Like, are they real? Um, I'd be very curious, actually, to to hear what 
you all think of this or if you do have some thoughts on this uh please uh, message message the instagram on there i believe i think you can send yeah you can send messages on there right uh yeah yeah i think so otherwise uh yeah you could all you could also reach out to the gmail um of the podcast there is an email i'm happy to give that out it's uh it's screenspeakpodcast at gmail.com. So if you know something about demons, I guess I'm inviting you to share some thoughts with me about that. Uh, and actually, after saying that out loud, I'm like, is that a good idea that I just gave the podcast email, which is not the first time I've done it, to the listening audience for them to share knowledge about demons with me? I don't know. I may come to regret that. But <laughs> uh, at the same time, um, I don't know. Bring it on. I guess. Yeah. Let's see what you got. Um, so let's, let's go back to the question because this movie it's, it is asking the audience ultimately if you were to think demons are real or aren't real. Cause the, the movie is actually pretty smart about, um, just balancing both reality versus, uh, spirituality, I guess that's, that's how I would say it. But let me just be let me be direct and and give my thoughts on this question. Um, I do think that that demons are real. That is my simple answer to that question. Yeah, I I think they're real. I thankfully have not known anybody that has had direct contact with uh, with a demon. Or, you know, loose friends, acquaintances, or anything like that. Thankfully, my my only uh, context for for knowing what I know about demons is just from movies like this, uh, of course, the Bible, and uh, you know, just I, I went to a private school, and you know, there was religion class uh, every week, and I'm not saying demons were talked about at great length in those classes, but. Yeah, I mean, I was I was raised uh, religiously, and I still adhere to a lot of those beliefs to to a certain extent, anyway. And and yes, uh, demons, I, I I think are they're still part of those beliefs that I actually still do believe. But but anywho, it's uh, it's just really I'm I'm almost like at a loss for words right now in the moment, trying to figure out how would I describe, you know. You know, say, I mean, say they are real, but it's like, like, what, what does that mean? Like the implications of that? Because I mean, so what if I think they're real or not real? If they're real, like, what does that mean? Does that mean that we are in danger of demons taking over our body and and whatnot? I don't know. It's I I don't have an answer to some of the questions that I ask on on this podcast. This is just stuff. I'm just kind of airing out and maybe perhaps maybe uh there's some interesting input on on that. <clears throat> but what I can say is I do believe that demons are real but I don't think they're always necessarily just strictly spiritual ones or yeah, I mean, just spiritual demons, like the ones that, you know, actually come from hell and, you know, take over people um, and, and, and do do what demons do. I think that's real, and I do think that there are, I mean, there's some 
probably more than some. There's probably a lot of different cases where it's falsely reported and it actually is a medical thing. I'm not like completely dismissive of science and whatnot, but um, what I was what I was trying to bring up is that I think that demons can also take the form of in, of of being internal as well. I don't think they're necessarily always ones that come from a spiritual place, because I think that people people themselves have demons that they're fighting all the time. Now you're probably being like, okay, well, Jordan, that's that's a bit, that's not the same thing. Like, so what if you're talking about personal struggles? That's not the same thing as a literal demonic spirit that is taking over a person. Yes, I understand that. I'm just saying, for the sake of the subject, that I do think there are real demons, and that unfortunately do nasty things with people. And I also think that there are internal demons that people are fighting on the regular. Um, I would assume with a lot more success than those demonic possessions because, and that leads me into my next point or next, next subject, whatever you want to call it. Um, tying demons into exorcisms. That's, that's another, that's another very twisted, twisted subject to talk about. I mean, if you can't tell, I don't know, like if, if you're sensing like my kind of uncomfortable energy talking about this stuff, it's because I am a little bit uncomfortable talking about some of this stuff. It's it's uh it's disturbing. Talking about it out loud, it kind of freaks me out. It's like uh, if you could attribute it to something, it's like someone that jokes about getting cancer. You know, like you joke about it enough times, you you're like, Well, then that's like how I'm gonna get it. It's, you know, it's like karma or something like that. So I'm always like very, very is trepidatious is that a word is that does that mean cautious cautious i guess i'm cautious when i talk about this stuff because it's like oh you know god please don't don't let that happen to me <laughs> gosh uh this is this is an interesting episode already so going back to exorcisms and them tying into demons and what i was saying about people likely being more successful in uh, defeating personal demons versus the actual spiritual ones it does make me think about exorcisms themselves uh notably asking the question do they actually work uh i don't know i am not gonna act like i had enough time to do research for that question uh, but they certainly seem to, at least in some of the movies I've seen, you know, the power of Christ compels you. Is, isn't that what the the guy in the, the actual Exorcist movie says and some of those other demon movies? They always say that. They throw holy water at them. Um, they do all sorts of, uh, you know, recite Bible verses to them. They, they, they have a whole whole list of techniques. I'm sure I could probably look up what a number of them are. But I don't know if they always work. Um I, I, I guess they would not be a continuous thing in history if there wasn't some basis of belief that that would justify that they did, um, in fact, work. Otherwise, why would people continue to do them in the Catholic faith or, or whatever faith does them? Because th does anyone actually know that, too? Like, does that, do other faiths do exorcisms besides Catholics? That's a good question. You know what? Actually, why, you know what? What the hell? I will. I'll take a look at that here. Are exorcisms uh, done in other religions? Right? Isn't that how I would ask that question? 
I don't even, th you know what, I, I might be a moron for even typing this in. Most everybody would probably assume this is associated with the Catholic faith. Um, well, I guess I'm listening to Wikipedia because that's what's in front of me. So it says exorcism. It is uh, the religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons uh, or other spiritual entities from a person or an area that is believed to be possessed. Okay. Um, I mean, I was looking for more like, you know, what the religion. Oh, okay. Okay. Hang on. There's, there's stuff about Buddhism here. Uh, it says the practice of, of reciting or listening to the Parita began very early in the history of Buddhism. It is a Buddhist practice of reciting certain verses and scriptures from Pali, Pali Canon in order to ward off misfortune or danger. Okay, so Buddhists did some type of exorcism. That's interesting. Uh, it's, it's attributed to Christianity, Catholicism, um, some Lutheran churches apparently, Hindu Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, Tet. Ta uh, Tao Taoism, Chinese folk religion. Oh, okay, well, I gosh, I guess I'm gonna have to do a lot more research on this. Um, not right now, but interesting. Did, did anyone know any of that that I just rattled off? Is any of that true? Uh, I'm not really sure. You'll have to let me know. Um, but anywho, I'm gonna assume that most of them probably work. Uh, thankfully, but. Yeah, I, I'm trying to, trying to think. Is there anything else I want to say about that? I, don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I'm getting weirded out talking about this stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So, yeah, that, that okay. That that's something else that's worth talking about for this. So, very interesting in the story of the movie and the real event is that the exorcism doesn't work. The the person dies. I think that's probably the biggest, if you want to say twist or um, differ uh, differentiator of this movie is that <clears throat> it's not like just solely focused on, okay, this is the story of the demon. Here's the priest coming over to get rid of it. It's very scary. And that's it. Um, this movie is also like halfway a courtroom drama, um, very much addressing the question of, you know, is this stuff um, fact or is it fiction and you know how can religious beliefs play into the the courtroom it, it, it's actually very fascinating just purely from a a legal standpoint um spiritual belief standpoint and and a moral standpoint too because yeah the, the whole the whole segment in this movie with the courtroom and everything like that it's it's just uh yeah i mean unfortunately it's I mean, as, as awful as the real events are, the, the whole situation and the questions that it, it poses um, to the jury uh, and then also to the audience, us watching, which we're practically like the jury watching this movie, uh, it's, it's very interesting. <clears throat> very interesting indeed. It makes you want to like really dive into all the legal law um, on cases like this and just really kind of get into the meat and potatoes of, you know, how... A, a case like this would actually be tried and at least from what i could tell i think the movie was doing a a faithful job of of doing that i mean i don't i don't know i don't know anything really out of of like lawyers and the law and things like that i'm not a legal expert uh 
though I did actually watch a, a video recently on, on YouTube of a, a real lawyer breaking down the legality and accuracy of the exorcism of Evelyn Rose. And I think there was a couple of parts where he said it was like, you know, Hollywood doing Hollywood's thing and, and whatnot. But th- this real lawyer did say that a lot of it actually was um, – not too bad and and some of it was actually pretty surprisingly well done for a a courtroom movie uh let alone one that's dealing with a a scary subject like this um but anywho it's interesting think about that think about what you would do if you were a jury member and you were sitting on this case having to listen to both sides of a prosecution one uh, being the the people in this case, I, I think that's how they say it because it's the people versus the the father. I think the yeah the one that is being tried for murder of this girl. Um, they are saying that he basically um, <clears throat> killed killed this woman by um, telling her not to take her medication, not seeking medical assistance, and doing his exorcism uh, practices and whatnot. Like that's what killed her. Uh, that's what the people are saying. And then his argument, of course, is that I was trying to do what I believe was right and and what I was trying to do in, a, in, in accordance with the family's beliefs was trying to exercise this demon and it failed, unfortunately, and she died. So it's very heavy stuff uh, when you're looking at that. But it is an interesting question. And that is one of the reasons I do really, really like this movie is that it's a great conversation starter. I think like you, you could get into such an interesting conversation with someone just, uh, just talking about demons alone and asking if they're real or not. Like that's something you could talk about with the right person for a long time. And, and I don't know, you might get disturbed though. Cause I, I keep getting disturbed. Why, why am I disturbed? I'm so kind of like freaked out talking about this because i don't know the subject makes me a bit more uncomfortable than uh than i was yeah than i was letting on or realizing i don't know sometimes you just realize things when you actually say them out loud versus when they're in your head at least that's just me anyway mm. so outside of the courtroom proceedings talking about the demons exorcisms and whatnot um I do want to. I want to. I want to share share some personal insights. I want to talk about what do I find scary, or I want to ask that question to you as well. I would like to ask you, the listening audience, what do you find scary? Um, clearly, I find demons pretty scary. Exorcisms, they're scary because of the demons. I don't really think the process of exorcism scary. It's just the demons themselves. They're they're sure as hell pretty freaky. Um, but I'm trying to think, you know, let, let, let me admit to my fears on this episode, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, because this is a good episode as any to to put that out there. Uh, well, I'm afraid of a lot of different things, I guess. I'm afraid of bees, most notably. Anybody that knows me well enough knows that I am deeply afraid of bees. And bees come in many shapes and forms. They're not always just strictly bees, which... Maybe that maybe I'm contradicting myself there. Bees, wasps, uh, hornets, uh, anything that stings, anything that flies. So it doesn't even actually have to be a bee. Butterflies, dragonflies, moths, anything that's going to fly uncontrollably in my vicinity and or try to touch me, I get freaked out by. 
and not proud, not really proud to admit that I'm a 30 year old man. And yeah, a lot of those bugs really, they really terrify me. Uh, but aside from insects and whatnot, I actually have other, I would say real fears, more deep seated personal fears like we all do. Not sure we all take the time to openly admit it, but I'm trying. I for for whatever it's worth, why am I why am I being serious on this part? I I don't know. The the whole tone of this episode is just freaking off because I'm talking about demons. Uh, okay. You're probably just like, "Where did, did where did his brain go? Is he, is he being possessed right now?" Um, no. I you see, I shouldn't even damn damn it. I shouldn't even joke about that. Ah. No, 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 no. Um, okay. Let's talk about fears. Uh, I, I don't know why this is a very random thought right now, but any, has anybody out there seen the movie, the replacements, you know, the Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman movie is a football movie. It has nothing to do with horror, but they have that, they have that scene in the locker room where Gene Hackman's trying to get them to open up and come together as a team. And he wants them to start really talking about their fears, like their real fears. And they start talking about how, like, they're afraid that they'll fail or they're afraid of going back to work or they're afraid of <clears throat> being a disappointment or being, uh, you know, going back to prison and all these all these different things. And anywho, tying it back to to the exorcism of Emily Rose here, but there's all kinds of things that that I'm afraid of outside of the bugs. Um you know, without putting too much thought into it, I would say I get afraid of failure. I, I think I, I do have a feel, a fear of failure. Uh, I've got fears of not living up to, you know, your potential, I guess, which you could attribute that to failing, but, um, yeah, I have, I have fears with that. Um, I have fears with, you know, letting, you know, letting vices get in the way of you or something like that. I think that's the right word. Like, and what I mean by that is like, you know, overeating or things like that. I actually, I feel like I could do that sometimes. I can like stress eat and things like that. So I get, I get fearful that I might end up doing that some days when I shouldn't. Um, let me see what, what else am I willing to openly admit that I'm afraid of on the podcast? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of other things I could get into. I don't really want to have this episode get dragged down by, by fear talk. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different fears out there and well, okay. I guess I'm afraid of demons. That, that should be pretty obvious from this episode. I've made that pretty clear. Uh, they're freaky and yeah, don't really want that to happen to anybody, but <clears throat> Anywho, some final thoughts. <laughs> some final thoughts on this movie. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I don't know. I, I think that this this episode is not going to be as long as maybe some of my other ones, just because the, this subject is really kind of getting me on the on the fritz right now. I don't, I don't know. It's it's weirding me out. So I'll just give some final thoughts on this movie, and I don't know. Try to maybe watch like a funny YouTube clip of a cat. Uh, doing something silly after this so I can get my head out of the darkness. Um, some final thoughts on this movie. Um, well, 
I think this is a good movie. I think it is most definitely scary because I can tell you that there were parts of this movie where you, you're not seeing me in front of you, but you ever done like the blinders, the, you know, they like you cover your hand over your eyes and like you're, you're kind of doing a little sneak peek through your hands. Uh, yeah, I did that multiple times throughout watching this movie uh, because horror movies are, they're, they're, I mean, they're scary. I get scared pretty easily. So I was watching it by myself with the lights off uh, alone. So what, like, what do you want me to do? So I was like covering my hands, um, and face during some of the more scarier sequences, which I think there's most definitely a few in this. Not even all of them are directly related to the exorcist scenes themselves. Um, but there's like a couple scenes where, uh, Scott Derrickson does a really good job of, uh, dealing with like suspense for, maybe or may like may may what not no that's that's not it scott derrickson does a good job of having there be certain scenes in this movie that are trying to build up suspense while having the audience ask like ask themselves if like something really scary is about to happen so like for example there's a scene where a couple scenes actually where this lawyer keeps like waking up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m because that's the demon demonic witching hour uh, she wakes up a few times at 3 a.m. and starts <clears throat> like hearing like little voices and you know um, hearing sounds and you know looking deep into the shadows of her hallway and whatnot and and yeah it's it's very very disturbing very scary and even though like nothing ultimately happens in these scenes you get in the character's mindset during those scenes and like start to you know, let your imagination get the best of you. And I don't know, just the, the, the use of, of darkness in those scenes. Cause the, I don't even know how, if I'm saying this right, but it's like, sometimes like there's like nighttime scenes where it's just like, you can tell they're lit up like by like a, you know, it's a Hollywood movie. So you can tell that they're lit up in a few scenes, but like there's scenes in this where like it's darkness and it's dark. You have a hard time seeing things. But that just makes it more scary. Um, so there was definitely definitely times in the movie where I was watching it through my hands, getting scared. Uh, a couple of the times, like during like the really intense like demon sequences, as a way for me not to completely wet myself, I would actually start yelling at the TV a couple of times. I was like, oh my gosh, no. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, oh my gosh, no. Oh, holy cow. Oh no, that's the worst. That is That is terrifying. Oh, good God. Oh, oh, sweet mother of God, uh, you know, sweet Jesus, please, please. Oh, Jesus. I sorry for saying Jesus so many times. I realize that's probably going to offend anyone that's religious, uh, listening to this episode. Uh, but anywho, I, I had a lot of like different weird quirks that I was doing throughout this movie because it was bothering me so much, but that should show you how dedicated I am to you listening audience. I'm trying to verge out of my comfort zone and watch movies that I ordinarily wouldn't watch because I as I have mentioned now probably several times on this I don't always do very well with horror movies but I do have a respect for them and yeah I didn't mean to be so chaotic during during this episode but you know talking about demons and whatnot it just puts it just puts you there I don't, what what else do you want me to say it's makes me irrational is what it does um okay last 
last thing that I was going to say on this is outside of everything, whatever I have said during this episode, I will say that this movie is different from a lot of the exorcism horror movies that you're likely to see simply because of the fact that it is dealing with true events that actually happened and transpired, but it's also um, not totally a horror movie because like I said, it's also a courtroom drama. So it's like a 50, 50 split. There is definitely horror elements to this, but for people that maybe not, maybe are not so much into horror, but they appreciate, um, you know, the legal, real, uh, real life drama behind the whole thing. They would like a lot of the courtroom sequences in this movie because it's, it's good. It's good. And it, again, as I've said now several times in this episode, it's does a great job of talking almost directly to the audience and asking, well, what, what do you think? What do you believe? And at the end of this movie, I I feel like you'll probably be pondering that question, uh, at least for some time, because I admit after watching this movie, I, I I watched it a few days ago and I, I kept thinking about it. I'm still thinking about the questions and and some of the the subject matter of this movie. It, it, it was, you know, it, I, I haven't let it get out of my head just yet. So I guess that's how I know it's an effective movie is when it's willing to stick with you. And I certainly think that uh, I think that the exorcism of Emily Rose is a movie that will likely stick with you and, or maybe give you some trouble sleeping. Cause I don't know. I definitely didn't want to look at my clock cause the whole 3am thing in the movie kept freaking me out thinking about that. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend watching a comedy or something after this movie cause it's, it's very freaky. Oh, and very, very, very last thing. I got to talk about uh, Jennifer Carpenter just very quickly on this. Um, she is absolutely freaking phenomenal in this movie. I, I've seen her in a handful of things and I grant you, this was a movie from 2005, but holy hell does she sell a woman being possessed by demons? Um, again, I'm not saying that I've seen a ton of demonic possession movies, but she was believable, really, really believable and really went there for a number of scenes. I really thought she committed to it uh, for what it's worth. And if I ever got to meet her in real life, I I would have so many questions about how you were able to get yourself to some of those places and have it be believable because it's like chilling. It's very chilling. The, the behaviors that she was able to convey on screen and, and again, have them be convincing, or at least I was convinced. I was very convinced by what she was doing. So, um, I know she's, like I said, she's been doing work steady since this movie. Uh, but I definitely am going to be looking at her in a whole different light now after seeing this movie. And I would say with a newfound respect, because I think it takes a pretty brave actress and person to be able to, put themselves in a role like this and to tell a story like this. Cause this is, this is just, you know, it's disturbing and okay. Very, very last thought. Cause now, now I'm thinking more and more about this, but I always actually wonder how like people that are like really into horror movies or even the people that make them like, how can they, how can they make some of that stuff and go to bed at night? Does anybody ever think about that? Because, like, some of this stuff with, 
you know, demons and ghosts and blood and gore, which, you know, this, this is actually a PG 13 movie. So there's, there's none of that, even though that's, you know, actually talking about that out loud, that's actually a rare claim to be made about a horror movie. Cause a lot of horror movies that are not R rated, uh, in my opinion, are not always very good. Um, but this movie, I guess this movie is an exception. It's actually a very exceptionally well-made PG 13 horror film, but I was, I'm, I'm not was, I am very curious how the hell directors are able to work on these disturbing scenes and sets and just be like, okay, that's a wrap. That's, you know, done, done picture. Okay. You, you can stop pretending to eat the bird and screaming and scowling at people and seeing Satan. Okay. Yeah. That, that was a great day. People, I'm going to go home and have dinner with my kids and I'm just going to be a happy go lucky guy. Like what? I, I don't know. If anybody has some thoughts on this again, please, please let me know because it's, it's uh, very interesting to think about. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this episode up now because I don't really want to talk about demons anymore. I think I talked about them at enough length in this episode. I, I also do apologize because I admit, I think I let the, the scary weird thoughts of demons kind of get my thinking a little bit. A little bit scattered in this episode, but hey, I gave it my best attempt to talk about uh, this actual, actual horror movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And uh, despite all my ramblings and ravings, uh, yeah, I, I still recommend it to to you to watch. So there you go. Take that for what you will. Uh, okay, that is finally it. I appreciate everybody coming by, checking out the episode. Got more great content coming for the rest of this month. And I also have a couple more guests coming on this month as well. Uh, So definitely, definitely stay tuned for that. And that's it. Have a good rest of your evening. Why am I doing ghosts? That makes it worse. Just end the episode now. Okay. Okay.